Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. I am your host, and I'm excited to have as my guest today, Lana Makira. Lana is a spiritual luminary and energy healer with the gift of discernment and healing that comes directly from spirit. Although Lana has several certifications and is trained in hypnosis, she connects with divine light to bring healing that isn't based in any particular modality. Working with clients over the years, Lana has discovered that many problems are an accumulation of negative energies and painful memories that affect the body in many ways. After clearing the mind, body, and spirit of this residue, her clients feel refreshed and renewed with less pain and more freedom. They look and act younger, and they certainly enjoy life a lot more, whatever their age. <laughs> Lana is an inspirational speaker and an award-winning best-selling author and ghostwriter of more than 40 books with a million books sold. She writes impactful, driven fiction and teaches novelists how to write an impact-driven fiction in her course, How to Write a Novel That Sells. She has two new fiction releases coming up in 2023. And with that, welcome, Lana, to the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Thank you so much, Brett. I'm excited to be here today. <laughs> All right. So you and I were talking the other day, and you had kind of a very interesting background, so... You're an energy healer and all that, but you also do ghostwriting, which is kind of an unusual combination, to be honest with you. So, you know, before we get into the speaking side of things, how'd you get into ghostwriting in the first place? And and 40 books, how many are you cranking out a year? <laughs> Two plus, usually. <laughs> you can't be old enough to have written 40 then. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the scars are inside. <laughs> They're not out <laughs> So how'd you get into that ghostwriting thing in the first place? I was a stay-at-home mom for 30 years. And I, at that point, wrote 27 books uh, while I was raising my kids. I started out in the romance novel genre, and then I went into other things. Um, so that's how I started. Well, I won a national award in 2001, and that put me into a different realm of the writing world. Hmm. And so that's, that was my beginning, but then I got a divorce in 09 and I couldn't write. I was so emotionally wracked and I lost my voice and I had to figure out who am I now? I, I didn't know where I was going to land. And so over a space of about five years, I was in therapy. I was trying to get myself together 
And then I met someone, a book broker who hooks people up with ghostwriters. Well, I'd never ghostwritten a book before, but I, people have been telling me, what are you doing? You know, working in marketing or whatever. You're a writer. So I started off editing with her. And then I told her, you know, I'd, I'd like to start ghostwriting. And so she gave me a job and I was off and running. I went full time in 2015 and I've been earning a living ghostwriting ever since. So I'm curious, you mentioned you received an award in the early 2000s that put you into a different realm. What was that award? Because I want to, that's not a usual topic on the show, but I want to look on that, at that a little bit. So what was the award specifically for? And was it something that you went out and sought or just came to you? Oh, that is such a good question. And it's so, such an interesting story too. I wrote a historical novel about the Scopes evolution trial, the monkey trial. Mm -hmm. And so I got that published and that was a different genre. That was historical fiction, had a mystery in it, serial killer mystery. And so I published the book, you know, I'm going on with my life. And the publisher contacted me and said, uh, are you okay if we submit it to the Christie Award? And I said, what's that? They said, well, it's a national award that all the publishers contribute their best books. And so the publishers are, you know, actually out for the award too, not just the author. And then the Christie Committee, there's an appointed committee of editors and agents and publishers that are on this committee. They judge the book. I said, okay, does it cost anything? They said, no, just send 10 copies. We're going to need 10 copies. It's a judging committee of 10. So I did, and I kind of forgot about it. I didn't think I was ever going to win. I mean, who am I among all the publishers, right? Well, there's nine categories. One of them was historical U.S. history, uh, U.S. historical category. So I got an email, I don't know, four or five months later from the Christie Committee. And they said, are you planning to attend the, the award ceremony? I'm like, well, I don't know. It, it was in Atlanta. I was living in Mississippi at the time. It was like 10 hour drive overnight, stay in a hotel. I'm like, nah, I'm not going. <laughs> uh, so I said, no, I wasn't planning on it. And uh, then they came back a few days later and said, we strongly suggest that you <laughs> attend. <laughs> so I said to my husband at the time, I said, uh, you know, I think we better go. <laughs> so yeah, uh, there I was in this big, uh, massive ballroom at the Marriott Hotel in Atlanta and they had nine categories so every category the four or five finalists would stand you know and i'm looking around at who's standing up and i'm seeing names i recognize you know like wow that's so and so and that's so and so then i stood up you know with my group and i recognized some names in my group too and i heard them call my name and i they almost had to help me to the stage i'm now just like what <laughs> what am i going to say because i didn't have any uh acceptance speech prepared or anything like that so somehow I got up there and I said a couple words and I uh, got back down and my life completely changed that same night well the reason I ask you about that Alana is you know a lot of speakers are authors in their own right and you know publishers talk about book awards all the time and there's lots of different book awards out there and some of them you got to pay to you know get into and others as you said you just got to send them copies or whatever so as a speaker who's an author, in your opinion, is it worthwhile to get involved in book awards? And how, how did it change your life specifically 
that somebody thinking about it may say, yeah, I should do that or not. Well, it depends on the award. But since then, I have become a consummate award uh, enterer, <laughs> contest enterer. I, I enter all these different contests all the time. And that book, that same book has won the L Literary Titan Silver Book Award. It's a Book Excellence Award finalist and five-star review on Reader's Favorite. And I just submitted a manuscript to the, Silver, the Titan Book Award. And it won Silver Silver uh, Titan, Literary Titan Silver Book Award is the way you say it. So um, what I say is, if you don't submit, you can't win. And don't give yourself a no to start off with. It might cost you a couple hundred dollars, but hey, in the event you win or you even place, you've got something to put underneath that book, wherever it's posted, you get seals, you know, these images to put on your website. Go ahead and try and learn, you know, learn from what you're doing. See how it works. Improve your writing. Get an editor. Get a good editor. And just, you know, get involved in up-leveling yourself in the writing world. So that's been my philosophy on it ever since. And the way it changed my life was not in book sales, believe it or not. <laughs> I know a lot of people think, oh, if I win this award, I'm going to sell books. No, that's not really what happens. Um, so what happened was my publisher said uh, that was I was the only Christie winner they ever had. And they said, we want to hire you to do some editing and book coaching for us. Hmm. So I, I went on their staff then and I worked with them for 12 years after that. Well, that was, you know, a feather in my cap that I could put on my resume as far as my credentials. Uh, being an editor for a publishing house for 12 years. And then the other thing that happened was I was inundated with people wanting me to help them get published. I was getting emails constantly. People were buttonholing me at events. And so I, I said to myself eventually, uh, after getting off the phone for like two hours with someone, I'm going to start a course. And so I wrote a course, How to Write a Novel That Sells. I launched it in 2001. I ran it till 2009. People are getting published left and right for my course. I've got testimonials on my website of people who've done amazing things. And uh, then, of course, in 09, I shut everything down because I couldn't write. I couldn't do anything. I, I had a divorce and that was it. And so last year I started my course back up and uh, it's back there again, how to write a novel that sells dot com. And uh, then uh, my Christie winner just got re-released last June, two months ago, I found a, a different publisher. The publisher that had it initially went out of business in 2012. And it was, uh, it was dead in the water for 10 years. My Christie winner, you know, I just like, Oh, I gotta get it back. I finally found a publisher. Morgan James released it in June. I couldn't be happier. It's back out there on the market again. So and Morgan James actually published all of my books. So okay, know, know those folks well. So, all right, so let's move away from the world of book awards and all that, because that, that's one of those tangents I tend to go on once in a while. But let's talk more about your speaking journey. So when did you decide that you needed to get out there and, and speak? And, and under what topic were you speaking? Obviously, you're an energy healer, a spiritual coach and all that, but you also do the all the book things. So when you speak, what do you typically speak on? And how long ago did that speaking journey start? Oh, wow. I was incredibly shy when I was in school. 
And in college, my, my uh, course requirement was two semesters of speech. And I was so shy that I, I didn't sleep the night before I had a speech due. I, I, and I did terrible. I was the worst grade I had the whole time of my whole college career. It was the worst grade I had. It was a C. <laughs> so yeah, I wasn't a born speaker by any means. And so then I married a pastor. As a, at 21 years old, I married a pastor. I had to speak. Every time we went somewhere, they're like, oh yeah, pastor's wife, you're going to teach this. You're going to do that. You're going to, and I had to get over it. I just had to get over it. And so mainly the beginning of me losing my stage fright was just the fact that I was doing it all the time. And I eventually got used to it. And so I always tell people who have that fear of public speaking, just get out there and do it. Just get over your nerves. Just get out there and, and feel what it's like. It's really not that scary. And then the second piece of it was at some point I remember I realized that my message was more important than my appearance, than whether I stumbled over a word or lost my train of thought. All, all of that was secondary to the message. And so once I began to focus on the message, that took away a lot of my nerves as well. So during those days, I was a pastor's wife. I was not an energy healer. <laughs> I was a different life. <laughs> back then. But then when I won the Christie Award, uh, there was a PR company that represented my book and they had me on radio shows and I was on TV, uh, Grizzly Adams TV documentary. Uh, and again, opportunities and just getting out there and doing it and being prepared. Also knowing your material. Um, those kind of things give you the confidence to step ahead and so I was speaking uh, from that point on, I was speaking a lot. And then after my divorce, I went through that five-year period. And as I came through the healing part and getting my life back and reinventing myself, I literally changed my name and moved to a different part of the country. I got a fresh start completely at the age of 52. And so I started getting out there on podcasts and speaking about uh, abuse, childhood trauma, starting over after 50. I just started to talk about my life experience. I wanted to help other people, especially mm -hmm. women, middle, middle, midlife women, who a lot of us are reinventing ourselves. It, it, the stories are just unending, you know, coming my way. And I did an interview with a gal and she called me about two or three weeks later, it was very soon. And she said, I just bought a TV show. Would you like to have your own show? Wow. <laughs> she bought a TV station um, called the Awake TV Network. And she said, I'm, I'm in recruiting people to come in and do shows. Would you like to have your own show? And I said, yes. You know, I'm checking in my spiritual guidance here. Yes. <laughs> and she said, what do you want to do it on? I said, I have no idea. But yes. And so then I went in and, you know, meditated and, and got clear on it. And uh, my show was called uh, Now It's My Turn, where the 50 plus woman awakens her spark and enjoys her life. And I did that for three seasons on the Awake TV Network. So now, you know, I was camera shy for a long time. I avoided video. But I found out that, you know, video is not really that scary either. So uh, that's really my story. Now I'm you know, media, I guess, person or, you know, I'm out there all the time. And I just feel like um, I love the energy of 
talking to another person. And then sometimes, you know, we're doing live streaming and people come in and ask questions. And I just love the, uh, the interaction of it. I'm, I'm kind of sequestered here in the, in the hills of uh, Florida out in the country. And there's not Do you have hills in Florida? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's mountain people. It feels like mountain people to me. <laughs> so what's your go-to topic these days on, on when you do a speech, typically? Oh, I speak on a, a lot of different things. Um, again, you know, the reinventing yourself in midlife uh, piece of it. I teach fiction. And sometimes I will come on to someone's show and talk about how I got published and what it takes to get published, mm -hmm. things like that. Uh, I also talk a lot about uh, narcissistic abuse because I, I did write a book called How to, uh, called Never Date a Narcissist Again. And by the way, I spoke at Harvard on that topic, How to Never Date a Narcissist Again, uh, my blue talk at Harvard. Um, and so I, I talk about narcissistic abuse, how to, how to uh, spot someone who's targeting you and enrolling you into that process, how to get out of it, um, how to heal yourself. And then childhood trauma, because I also had a lot of childhood trauma, which they go together. Um, yeah. If you are an adult and you get enrolled by a narcissist, you probably have some abuse in your past because it, it you know, kind of schools you to put up with that. So um, those are three topics. And then, you know, there's a variety of other things that I speak on as well. I homeschooled my seven children for 20 years. So, you know, education, children, mm -hmm. all kinds of different things related to family. I could talk about that. All right. But mostly, mostly the business stuff. Okay. So what is the goal of, what's your goal when you go out to do a speech on the business stuff? Is it to enroll them in your course? Is it to get them on your list? What, when you, what, what makes for a successful speech in your mind? Having someone go to my site and enroll and the, the giveaway on my site is a free video, an ebook about how to put your novel together using this three ring binder. And I go through the binder and show what's in it and everything. So that brings me novel students. Mm -hmm. If someone goes to my site, there's a media link uh, at the top where someone could click there and see all the places that I've been speaking right? and uh, links to the recordings of various things. So it also gets me speaking engagements. So, so those are really my two, my okay. two things. So in your mind, Lana, what are the, let's say, three biggest tips that you would have for an aspiring speaker to be successful? Well, there's a couple things. One of them is to get uh, connected with TEDx and to try to get into a TEDx situation. TEDx is like, if you want to be a full-time speaker and earn money, TEDx is like the benchmark for it. At least go there, at least do it so that you can get the training because the training at every level is important. Uh, you're going to use that the rest of your life. So that would be one thing. There are quite a few different companies out there that will teach you how to do a TEDx talk. And that training is invaluable. And then uh, the other thing is to get into these uh, actual collaboration groups where speakers and event planners and podcast hosts come together mm -hmm. and 
connect and make connections. Connections is like the lifeblood of speaking. You have to get out there and get to meet people. It's a people business. So those two things would be hugely important. And then uh, the third thing is to get your media kit up to, up to speed. Now, what I do is I have a Google Drive folder mm -hmm. and I put all my pictures, my high res photos, pictures of me speaking and anything that's appropriate in that folder as, as along with my Google document, my, yes, it's a uh, Microsoft Word document in Google with my bio, three different um, topics, all my social media links are in that document. And you, anybody listening is welcome to go over there, lmmediakit.com, lmmediakit.com. Just download it and, and uh, copy what I did, you know, put your stuff in there instead of mine. I uh, invite people to do that all the time because uh, you need a concise place for not only other people to go, but for you to go. Sometimes people want job form or these other places to submit. And I just go to lmmediakit.com. I pull up my document. I've got it all right there. Copy, paste, go over here and I'm done. So streamline. And not only does it save you time, but it also is a professional image with an easy link that you can spiel off at any moment or write on a card or type into a, a chat box, uh, get your .com, direct it over there. And then uh, you your credibility rises because I'm sure, Brett, I'm not telling anything you don't know. It's hard to get people to send their, their pictures, their bio and all this. You got to kind of chase them down. So if you've got that, you know, just in this instant, there it is right there. Um, that really helps for you. Well, that's such great advice. I do have a couple other questions I want to ask you, Lana, but before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world and now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world? If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show. And my guest for this episode is Lana Makira. So Lana, you mentioned TEDx Talks and... You know, I've never done one, so I don't have the experience you do in that arena, certainly at all. But my my take on it has been in the past, and you can tell me whether you totally agree with this or totally disagree with this, is that you do a TEDx talk talk primarily, first and foremost, for credibility purposes, to say you've done a TEDx talk. Now, do you disagree with that or agree with that? And what does your TEDx talk enable you to do that maybe you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise? Okay, awesome. Yes, it does elevate your credibility. You have to get accepted. And it's not the easiest thing. Now, there are some tactics you can use. Now, the second thing is I did a blue talk, which is kind of a, it's a TEDx talk, but a different company um, as my lower level entry or my easier entry. Um, I've never done a TEDx talk. Now, everybody's on my case <laughs> to get out there and do that. I just haven't had the mind share to think about TEDx, but yes, it does raise your credibility tremendously, especially if you do more than one, three times TEDx speaker, et cetera. And I see that as a benchmark for charging. 
as well, charging fees. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with the blue talks whatsoever. So that's a brand new world to me. So, but we all have new stuff to learn, certainly. Yeah. All right. So the next question I have for you is typically my favorite question. That's okay. Bury your soul a little bit here, Lana, and maybe tell me a mistake you made during your speaking career that was embarrassing at the time, but a valuable lesson was learned and it'd be something you advise aspiring speakers not to do. <laughs> Wow, and I can't even think of one. Uh, yeah, so I always say I made a mistake once. My mistake was I thought I made a mistake. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've made a lot of them. Um, my approach to mistakes is blow it off. It never happened. Blow it off and just keep on going. And generally speaking, that's my that's my whole that's probably why I don't remember because I <laughs> consciously blow it off because I don't want that energy to hang on me for the rest of the speech or even in the follow-up, you know, thanks so much for having me or whatever. I don't want that in my, in my mind. So yeah, I think that's the one thing I would offer to everybody. If you flub up and you have a problem, blow it off, go on and just continue like it never happened. And don't even remember it, just let it go because it, it's worthless. It doesn't matter. All right, so I want to give you a couple of minutes now, Lana, to share with people a little bit more about what all you're doing and how they can get involved in your world if they so choose. <laughs> well, thank you for giving me that opportunity, Brett. I um, have a book that just came out in June. It's a re-release of my Christie Award winner, and it's called Reaping the Whirlwind. It's a historical fiction novel uh, with a serial killer in it. Um it's the story of the Scopes Evolution Trial. Uh, the true, genuine story, never heard before. Inherit the Wind is total fiction. I wrote the real thing that really happened. So if you're interested in history, that's a really good place to go find some that hasn't been talked about very much. Um, but it's mainly a, a murder mystery. And then I have another book coming out next year, but it's not ready for pre-order or anything like that. So, you know, there's no real point in doing that. My fiction course, How to Write a Novel That Sells, is launching in October. I'm almost ready to open the website back up. Right now, it's just waitlist. So get in on the waitlist if you're interested in writing a novel, or maybe you have one that you haven't finished, or it's done, but it's not right. Uh, this is a full-blown course, eight modules, two hours each module with me personally in a live setting, just like we're doing right now. I'm teaching a class. So how to write a novel that sells.com. It goes from all the way from the beginning to how to get published. And right, so quick quick question on that, Lana. I mean, this episode may not release until the time you're already doing your course or whatever. So will this be an evergreen course? Or will there be recurring sessions that they can then get on the wait list for the next one? If it's past the time for registration, just go over there and get on the wait list. I'm going to do it again in February or March of next year. I'm doing it twice a year, live like that. Okay, super. All right, so I will make sure in the show notes we have Lana's primary, primary website listed down there, as well as a link to her media kit that she's graciously offered up that you can all copy as a speaker. So, again, that was LN mediakit.com my, my initials lm lm yeah lm and uh la i thought i would thank you so much for joining me this afternoon as always i wish everybody out there a great thank you for listening in and 
as always, may this year be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in. And remember to visit our website at SpotlightOnSpeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking Show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business.